right? Everyone else outside the music industry that doesn't know how to make music, they don't give a shit where the sounds come from. So it's it's definitely a marriage of both understanding your skill set, how to get better, how to level up consistently. It's like golf, but you'll never learn everything. And also then like knowing that the energy and the feeling is far more important than anything else that you can do. Because you're gonna you can find somebody that plays piano better than you. You can find somebody that produces better than you. But you can't find anyone who's better than you at being you. As artists, we are creators at a fundamental level. We see the world through a unique lens and don't settle for mediocrity. Some of us want to create new opportunities and leave a legacy, while others want to simply make a living doing what they love. This podcast gives you access to the most successful people who give new insights and tips on how to grow your following, get more gigs, and make a living in today's rapidly changing music industry. Welcome to the Do What You Love podcast, the place where musicians, artists, and entrepreneurs share their inspiring stories and advice on how to succeed in the music business. Thanks for tuning in with me. I'm Steve Jazz. Let's get into it. Producer, DJ, songwriter, radio host, and multi-platinum award winner from the band The Pop Bellies, Johnny Sonic's music career has spanned across the globe, including support for Usher on a 16 Arena tour, headlining for The Prodigy, Chemical Brothers, Groove Amada, and Basement Jacks. Johnny has been producing and writing professional and platinum-selling tracks for over 30 years, working with Universal, Ministry of Sound, BMG, Vicious Records, and is passionate about helping artists succeed in the industry. He has lectured all around the globe for many of the elite music institutions such as SAE, Penny Lane Studios in the UK, Universal Studios in LA, and co-producing alongside Poet of the Black Eyed Peas fame. Johnny has recently joined the team at Music Valley Studios in Melbourne to work with aspiring artists and producers who are ready to level up their skills and get them record label ready. Throughout his career, he has learned exactly what it takes to smash out record label ready pro sounding tracks every time he works with an artist. In this rare and exclusive interview with Johnny, we reveal his unique process of music creation and uncover how to tap into that frequency when producing and capturing the essence of your sound. We go deep into what it takes to level up your game, your skills, and how to find your true sound as an artist and producer, and share the story of how Johnny was able to find his true sound and create multi-platinum selling songs, including Don't Hold Back, Hello, and Are You With Me? Here's my interview with Johnny Sonic from the Pop Alleys. Welcome to the studio. Thanks, man. It's my studio. <laughs> Thanks, brother. That's not. Cheers. Okay, go on. Good to have you on the show, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, bro. We've um, taken a bit of a hiatus from the show. It's been in a couple of years, but we thought, what better reason to fire that back up and to get none other than John, Johnny Sonic on the show. Thanks, man. Who uh, needs no introduction, but will provide you a short little introduction. Johnny Sonic is one of the founding members of... The Pop Alleys, who have released a number of songs, most notably have created multi-platinum hits for Don't Hold Back. What else do we have here? <laughs> <laughs> From the music, Hello, Are Hello. You With Me, 
the list goes on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so after a couple of years, Johnny and I decided to catch up. And yeah, what brings you here today, man? Um, it's been a journey, man. Like post-COVID, um, the music industry was in quite a fucking shambles, you know. Um, and there was very much a crossing over of like like produ- producer dimensions and a new realm of kids coming up. So when I stopped touring, I wanted to settle somewhere to mentor full time. And I'd been doing that in Bond Beach and that was great and I loved it. But when I came in here to see you guys, I saw the whole process, what you're doing, and I thought it was fantastic. And um, next minute, Michelle's gone and I'm in here, <laughs> you know, and mentoring students and um, really cool artists and yeah, working away with them. It's, it's really cool, man. It's, it's a really nice bridge into you know, where we've, we've both been talking about going into the future. Tell us a little bit about one of your specialties in terms of what you're bringing now to the music market with record label reading. I'd say experience, you know, um, there's, there's, there's a certain, I always say this to Jez and my housemate, that there's, there's levels, right? Mm. So if you understand the concept of there being levels in any industry, especially in the music industry, because it's not taken seriously by the people who think they have a real inverted commas industry, you know? Um, so it's very much a creative balance of being serious about what you do and doing it seriously, you know? So with Record Label Ready, since I was fucking like, God, since I can remember, I've been looking at artists, thinking of artists' names in my head, planning what they do, who they are, how they sing, how they feel, like what are the, what their mindset is uh, when they go to play, when they record, why they're writing, what lyrics they're writing, how to improve their lyrics, how to um, improve their introdu- or their their production. Um, it really covers kind of every facet, but with record label ready in particular. It's, it's to do with the perfect avatar that has been working on their own demos for a bit. They've got a bit of experience, excuse me, have got a bit of experience, they love to DJ, they love to perform, or they're an electronic artist getting into the performing side of things. And there's so many uh, labels out there these days, including independent, personal, majors, you know, just there's a billion online, you know, in person. But to get ready for that level, you got to upgrade your skills to be at the level to compete with the best in the world. So if you're not, if you're not wanting to be the best in the world at what you do, um, who the fuck's going to look at you? Mm. You know, and that's, that's not an attitude. It's, it's, a, it's a way of being in the music industry. You know, if you're a lawyer, you, you want to know the law inside out, right? And you're going to get paid $1,000 an hour to, for a phone call or 15 minutes for a phone call. Mm-hmm. And, or you could be um, you know, a young lawyer down in the bullpen and getting $10. You know? So it's getting from the bullpen up to the high, the, well, the high court is a journey. You know? And it's getting ready for that journey or getting ready to step into that higher realm um, is a mindset and it's a working mindset you know, uh, learning your skills. Mm. And a lot of it is to do with the basics, the basic fundamentals of what makes your track sound awesome. You know, I can teach you how to create, I can teach you loads and loads of different ways of how to create what you want. 
but if you're picking the wrong samples or if you're picking old sounds or even if it's old sounds are fine it's the quality of the sound itself and then how to get that sound and make it prolific make it stand out you know there's so many producers my god there's so many around the world who just copy paste like hip-hop has just turned into 808s that's it there's nothing else to it and it was trapped before that before that it was just an 808 kick that was using dance music but you know all that's irrelevant unless you make it sound good so record label ready is about making who you are what you do a real fundamental process of making your shit sound awesome and it comes down to an eight bar loop it really comes down to an eight bar loop so if you can get your eight bar loop record label ready the rest of the track is going to be that standard you know so then you can start going into once you know the fundamentals of arrangement and um you know using other people's references and you know using your masters as in the masters of your trade you know for me it would be like carl cox fatboy slim groove armada bass with jacks chemical brothers this goes on in those duo triples kind of thing but um to be record label ready to become ready for a label to look at you you have to be making noise in the industry you know it's not just like it's not just okay i've made my tracks they're finished i'm great sign me because that's just it just does well it does happen but not here in australia you know you gotta have noise you gotta have people like hearing about you not just social media especially not social media you want to be hearing about them in the industry you want to be hearing how fucking awesome their shows are it's like how did that girl make that synth fuck you know and that's record label ready cool cool um so for those of you listening um so johnny primarily works with you know upcoming emerging aspiring djs artists producers vocalists singer songwriters mm. and so what record label ready is essentially designed to do is to almost act as a bit of a vessel to, to alchemize mm. the artist in a lot of ways yeah, yeah and there's there's ways that you do that through like sonically through using this eight bar loop but mm. you also go into things like music dna which i've seen you do mm. work with vocalists to help them find you know their their key yeah um because that's also something that vocalists never really take the time to understand as well like walk walk us through quickly that well, alchemy of well, the artist yeah well, i mean the alchemy of the artist is it's just alchemy it is what it is so you know it's turning water into wine or you know uh lead into gold which is all metaphoric right so uh, i i kind of find to see that you can't you, you can't polish it well you can polish a turd but it's still a fucking turd right mm -hmm. so you want to figure out what's making your music shit, what's making you frustrated with what you're doing and how you're going to get better if that's what you want to do. So with the music DNA, it's definitely not just for vocalists, it's for anyone who wants to create anything that is is a little bit lost in the music frequencies. Mm -hmm. Because I use Selfaggio, I use Fibonacci, I use like some consciousness, some a little bit of a uh, little bit of quantum consciousness you know yeah and yeah absolutely <laughs> man you know and it's it's about giving because you know nobody taught the birds how to sing right so you've got to figure out a way of how to get what's already in the artist that they don't know about out mm -hmm. give them a path mm -hmm. to find themselves because if you don't know <laughs> what you're doing or if you don't have a way to find it and you're totally lost 
what do you come back to? You come back to one single note, right? And it's how that one single note makes you feel. So if you can strip back all the bullshit, all the sounds, all the samples, the pianos, the basses, whatever, just bring it down to one single note, then every single note has a frequency. There's not enough notes, to be honest with you, to match frequencies. But in Solfaggio, there is, well, there's six, which is now nine, and those six coincide with uh, the seven chakras. Well, there's actually six, so, well, and there's seven notes, right? So all of it is relative to each other, light, sound, color, um, frequency. It's all the same thing, right? So when I sit somebody down and do their music DNA, it's really getting back to who they are and how am I going to get that out of them so that they've got an avenue and a, and a like a road to go, okay, oh shit, that's my key. That's how I find something that I love singing over. That's how I find a piano, but I'm not a piano player in the sound and the feel that I want. So, you know, for instance, say the, the, the key F is the heart chakra and it's green, right? That all is relative to the keys and the feeling of green and the feeling of the frequency. I think it's uh, was it 692 hertz or that's I'm embarrassing myself there because I don't know the solfeggio off my heart right now, but it's um it's really relative because if you're just kind of it doesn't matter how good you are at music it doesn't matter how good you are at produ a production if you don't have soul in what goes and I mean your soul into your music and you're just like some Australian producers I could name very very easily and you're just taking other people's work and you're remaking it, or not even remaking it, you're just sampling it and women off that nature. You know, like you can do it with class, like Sergeant Slick, with Gimme, Gimme, Gimme with Abba, right? Mm -hmm. That was fucking cool, man. I love, I love that, uh, Andy. And, or you can do it not well and piss your vocalist off and get a bad name in the industry, like Jolene. I don't give a fuck saying names, man. It's like, you know, I, I, yeah, I, don't need, I don't need to worry about that. It's more for me how the artist puts up with not knowing who they are and it's my job to get that out of them hey there thanks for tuning into this episode with me if this episode is resonating with you and you know someone who will benefit from hearing this please share it with them it might be a friend a fellow artist producer a coach or an established professional looking for some extra inspiration and guidance it could mean the world to them and give them the support they need right now to help them get to the next stage of their journey. Share it with them and connect with me on Instagram at Steve Jazz. It's my job to get that out of them. Yeah, cool. I love that you're going down this, this avenue. Yeah, I've been it's, doing this for a long time. And I've, like, since I can remember, you know, that, um, and I've always done it for pop stuff. I've always done it for anything I've ever made. So tell us where that process of alchemy for you started was there a point where you were trying to because you started as a DJ right <laughs> yeah that, yeah yeah I mean yeah I started my grandfather really got me into music uh, with Motown and everything right. um, but it's just I could as long as I can remember English maths um, art music even though I've still never learned music it's always been um, a frequency process and energy you know and it's so your measurement of tapping into that soul mm. is using has been let me get this right has been using frequency and 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 these energy. different energies as you're writing yeah yeah and the preparation that sort of 
that's required in order to get you into that zone yeah, and, I mean, they, and understanding they, those tools. Yeah, they go hand in hand. Right. They go hand in hand. So um, the thing with production is that it takes a long time to learn, to yeah. really learn the essence of production, not just making beats, not just, you know, making a sample or, you know, saying that piano playing is music and sampling isn't or whatever anyway, everyone fucking says, right? right. Not, at the end of the day, nobody gives a shit when they're listening to the track and they don't know how to make music, right? Everyone else mm. outside the music industry that doesn't know how to make music, they don't give a shit where the sounds come from. So it's, it's definitely a marriage of both understanding your skill set, how to get better, how to level up consistently. It's like golf, but you'll never learn everything. And also then like knowing that the energy and the feeling is far more important than anything else that you can do. Cause you're going to, you can find somebody that plays piano better than you. You can find somebody that produces better than you, but you can't find anyone who's better than you at being you. But if you if you get confused into a pattern of, Oh, I need to sound like that, or I should be like Jermaine Dupri is always talking about this. He's such an avid uh, guy for it that you know the kids these days they really need to learn the fundamentals of what being a producer and a creator is. Like, learn your instrument, whether that's an MPC or it's a piano, it doesn't matter. Mm. You're still hitting something for frequency. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how it comes out or how you get it. Once you get you out, that's the most important thing. Yeah, and the way that I can relate to that. Johnny's like, you know, I came from the session muso mm. journey and I went to the conservatory and I became a yeah. player, yeah. right? And I sort of veered away from going down the creative path because it was a bit of a too hard basket. I see other musos not really getting too far mm. unless they're all winning multi-platinum awards, you know? And so there's this big gap between being paid as a muso for my skills to mm. then spending all this time, resources, creating songs and maybe getting signed and maybe going on tour and seeing well, that's all that. that's the lottery, isn't it? That's the lottery. Well, I guess it is, and so what What I want to sort of unpack is the idea that, you, you know, you mentioned here, like, there's the skill development, mm -hmm. right? So let's go back to your story. You developed a skill. You had a method of, and, and a way to tap in and extract that energy that you're looking for to create great music, right? And I know that you really didn't go down that theoretical path. I read your, you know, your... your um, 10 pro tips uh, that record labels don't want you to know, uh, which we'll provide in the, in the show notes mm. as well. And it was really interesting me reading all that because here's someone that's written multi-platinum hits that really doesn't come from the traditional theoretical musical no. background that someone like myself or even one of my colleagues did. Mm. And and I, you know, I've, I've rubbed shoulders and I've gigged and, and I know a few DJs in the industry and I know that they've also created some success without that traditional mm. training. And I find that really fascinating, but I find it very important and, and crucial because for me, I got caught up in that paradigm. That, What's important and crucial? Well, crucial to not lose the essence, the of. essence of, of creating you know, magic. All right, yeah. As a player, as a writer, as a producer, whatever it is that you're creating. So for me personally, when I went down that path, I got very technical. I was learning, play, you know, playing yeah. like Maninoff and Chopin. I was right practicing fucking yeah. eight hours a day for years, going pulling my hair out, yeah. you know, and thinking that that my my ability and skill as a player will mm. translate into mm. cre good creations. Yeah, and that's where I sort of hit a wall yeah. in my journey and just did the cover band tribute show tribute shows. Mm. 
corporate scene and I was like, yeah, cool, that's fun. I can perform and play and, and expand on that skill. But I honestly, I, I sort of neglected mm. translating that into a creation. I've written maybe mm. a handful, like 15 to 20 tracks, but I've never really gone and immersed myself in yeah. that because I haven't found the method, I think, to and I haven't had the right support and training to go down that avenue. Of the avenue as in just pure creation? Pure creation. And just so coming from, you know. When you first touched the piano, what did you feel? Very first time you hit a key, what did you feel? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, not with that, right? So that, yeah. just right there, that feeling you got right now, that's what you lost. Because the technical stuff took over. And when, and this goes for, every angle mm -hmm. it could be a guitarist it could be a mixing engineer it could be a vocal producer if you lose the essence of why you started in the first place of how fun and brilliant and exciting it is and how fucking frustrating and annoying and you want to fucking smash your computer but <laughs> you also wouldn't you, you can't live without it so when you get too it's like caught up in the house. Well, yeah, it's it's like, it's like classic physics and quantum physics, mm -hmm. right? You can't have one without the other, but you can, right? You can mm -hmm. because one is one thing and the other is the other, but they don't exist without each other. Yeah, but you can have them without each other. You can have success in each without each other. They're just different things. So you're asking where it started for me. It started for me. When um, I'll never forget Fraser, this guy in my school when I was God, thirteen or no fourteen, mm -hmm. um, he played me this tape on the, on the old Sony headphone like tape tape, and he's like check this music out, and it was just one song that went for like half an hour. I'm like, this is crazy. What is this? And it was like, it was techno, proper techno. Not what they call techno these days, like techno, and I was like. But it's just one long, it's like, nah, man, that's like 13, 14 tracks all mixed together. I'm like, what do you mean mixed together? And it was just this blending, seamless, like, ocean of frequencies and flow. I was like, what the fuck is that? And he's like, yeah, two turntables and a microphone kind of thing, you know? And then I get into Grandmaster Flash and the essence, or the, the very establishment when, when, like, hip hop DJing created the DJ, cutting and scratching. Uh, breaks these are the breaks so it was the breaks of disco that he would mix rather than the main part of the track it was right. the break so these are the breaks right, right. and that turned into hip-hop so right. he he had a, a mixer that he went left to right for a crossfade it was grandmaster flash he invented djing right? Yeah, right and on the streets of new york and once i started digging into that then i hurt my ankle or sorry, my knee really badly for the first time. And when I came out of hospital, my friends had bought Technics 1200s. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? I just called them up straight away. Well, my mum called them up because yeah, yeah. she was going to pick me up from the hospital. And they came and grabbed me and brought me straight to uh, Carl's house, Jesus Christ, with Christoph and Garth Skelly. Oh, my God, how do I remember those names? Um, amazing blokes freak DJs and they're like oh yeah dude I'm like fucking show me these things what are techniques what's the championship mixer and I saw it and they gave me the fundamentals of what it is you know what you do and I was like alright cool the record whacked it on and I fucking got the pitch you know which is to a millisecond 
Exact, right? The techniques. If you're out by a millisecond, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna go away. Mm-hmm. You know, so all this fucking sinking and looping at the moment these days, they just don't know what the essence is. Anyway, and I got it first. I was like, this is fucking easy. You know, fucking chopping and chopping, and then I tried to do it again. <laughs> it was a total <laughs> fluke, right. but that like it was as if I was touching inside the music that I was blending together the way I heard it on the tape and that flow, and it just poof, my head just exploded, and I got I got to figure this out. I got to figure this the fuck out. What is this? And I got a student loan, and I paid for my decks out of it, yeah, cool. <laughs> and that was it. And I just literally I went hobbling up a week later to the Temple Theatre in Dublin, and I, I was like the biggest church with the biggest club in it, going, 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 the front door. And this guy, Damien Higgins, how are you, Damo? Yeah, who actually gave me my name, Johnny Sonic, I was 16, knocked on the door, and he's like, um, what do you want? <laughs> and um, he's from Northern Ireland. And uh, I gave him my tape that I'd just recorded after six days on the decks. They were, you know, and um, I got a call, and he's like, do you want to come and hang out on the Saturday, and we'll get you to play? And next minute I'm on stage in front of 3,000 people at the Temple Theatre in Dublin um, playing for three hours. It was like, what the fuck? I'd never used fallback monitors and it was all on vinyl, so I was in a bit of a pickle. But, you know, pulled it pulled it off and I, literally within a month I was on the cover of BBM magazine. It was Ireland's hottest newcomer. Like, it just went, uh, like, skyrocketed. And then I found, uh, I just went looking for a producer and I found um, my beautiful mate, Graham Bulger. He, he just finished off the Coldplay Clocks album, Engineering It. And he uh, does the chorus and uh, Sinead O'Connor. And uh, he's just a fantastic Irish producer, you know. Um, definitely my mentor from day one in production and music and uh, psychology behind it all, you know. And... Um, he said to me, if you get me, I was like, I have to learn how to make the stuff I'm playing. So that's one of the big things I say now, make what you play and play what you make, right? That's for all producers, DJs, singers, songwriters, make what you play, play what you make. <laughs> you know, it's really, really simple. Mm-hmm. And it keeps you closer to you, as an, keeps you closer to you as an artist. Um, and uh, he goes, get me 500 pounds and I'll build you a computer. So I did. And he did. And he goes, if you don't have it, if you don't have a song back in the first month, and I take it all back. So me and my friend Angie, with call her my sister, uh, we got to work and we wrote this track called I'll Find A Way. When you're high, will you get enough? I'll find a way. And um, I went into the studio uh, within three weeks and Ian Stanley was there from uh, Tears For Fears. He wrote Shout Shout Let It All Out and Everybody Wants To Rule The World. And um, he was just finishing off Natalie Imbruglia's album, uh, uh, Torn. I was like, how do you get that sample? And I was on a thing called a Proteus 2000 a sampler right. from back then. And, um, you know, I played the CD, or no, tape, sorry, the tape. And Graham thought it was great. And Ian Stanley got up and walked away. And then he came back in. He's like, hands me a Proteus 2000. Says, if you don't have another track in the next month, I'm going to take it back. And it just kind of built from there. And I was just hooked. That was it. I was in. I was in. And I never stopped. Mm. Can I take you back to that moment when you did the, your first sync? And it was this kind of miraculous moment. Mm. You tapped in. Oh, your, your first mix. Your first yeah, mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would you say that that was what gave you the fuel to want to stay in this space? Mm. 
and 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 really focus on the frequency and energy and in this kind of you know yeah well, I, I didn't even know what frequency and well, like energy you know because i was young i was a kid in dublin and you oh, you learned how to fight and play sport right that was it yeah, yeah. you know and when i found like i was really big into hip-hop uh, like funk dubious and um onyx I mean, like the DMX Rough Riders crew, that like more get like really proper gangster, none of this six nine crap, whatever the hell his name is with the face tattoos, like proper gangster rap, you know, where where Snoop got dog got hit the name Snoop Dogg from from mm. funk, funk dubious, like um and he got the bow wow wow and all that from these guys, from mm-hmm. the earlier earlier guys. And then I was really into Rage Against the Machine, Nirvana, Ten, um and it just kind of spirals because I love the space in between, like the slower music, but then the attack of funk and disco. Um, and then I was getting really into techno. So it was just a way for me to disappear. Right. You know, away from mm. whatever this fucking thing is that we live in. Mm. It, it felt so much more real to me than breathing mm. that um, it just took everything over. It took me over, you know. And it was a direct marriage with my art and my sport. It was very creative. It was very colourful. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's that's kind of where I really it stamped that first mix. Yeah, I still well, remember it. I remember exactly where it was. I remember the colour of the crutches. I remember Gar, Gar, Christoph, and and uh, Thingy Carl, Carl, Carl Dorman. That's awesome. Love it. And you know my memory, mate. I can't remember jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember that. Well, um, I'm glad it's all coming back to you, man. Mm. Um, what I want to talk a bit about is the experience you had with Don't Hold Back. You mentioned drips mm. and drives of like the experience when you know recorded that at home and mm. um, a bit about your mum as mm. well. The story there. Um, walk us through what you know what happened prior to that in the build up to the track, and then yeah. sort of what happened as a result. So you know, for, for those listening that don't really understand and never yeah, understood yeah. the full story. Well, look, Don't Hold Back for me is about um, a conversation for, between me and my mum, right and uh, it was one of the last things that she said to me when she was driving me to Kira's house, who I was coming to Australia with, the next girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, what, 23, 22, 23? Um, and um, she ended up passing away on my birthday, right? And I didn't get back home to meet her. I didn't go back home to see her before she passed away. She passed away as I got onto the, uh, actually, as I left my house to get into the taxi, to go to the airport, to go home. I got a call from my dad. And, um, you know, not going into too much of the, um, sorry, not going into too much of the deep stuff, but um, the last thing that she said to me when I was leaving her, I had this really weird thing in the car that I was just never going to see her again. She was bringing me down this old road called uh, Temple Oak Road by Terranier College. And I remember looking at the trees and I was just looking at them going, I'm never going to see her again. It was so fucking weird, man. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. My sister was in the back of the Nissan Micra. And um, the last thing she says to me is, make music worth it. Don't hold back, Jonathan, in her Scottish accent. And they're fucking done. I won't, I'll make it music worth it and I won't hold back. And um, so fast forward a couple of years, uh, she passed um, quite quickly. And um, when I got back, um, I had this thing in my head that of don't hold back, right? Because it was things she said to me. I had this brown, brown envelope and I was fucking wasted, right? Like as in mentally, physically, 
emotionally, uh, spiritually. I was just fucking done. I was like, is anyone fucking feeling anything? Is there anyone out there feeling fucking anything? Like, don't know back. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, is there anybody out there feeling fucking something? Because that's what I wrote. So why did you ask that question? Do you need because to it's it, because okay. So one is the the statement. Don't hold back. Yeah. Make it worth it. Do yeah. your thing. And then the other side of it is the death side. Like, is there anybody out there feeling anything like this? Is anyone? Does anyone get anything? Does anyone understand anything? Is there anyone out there yeah. feeling fucking something that I can relate to? So you're looking to relate. Is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and like this pain was just too much. Right. Okay. The pain was just like, ah, mm-hmm. this is not right. You know, and I've never been the same since. You find that with a lot of people when they lose their parent, uh, you know, that they're closest to at the time, um, it totally changes your life. Mm. Mm. Like, it just takes everything out of you. All right. So you've got to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life now that you're mother or your father is gone you know um and then the verses are conversations between me and her right so um it's mainly her talking to me and elan was incredible writing with these verses like the you know we just we smashed it out and the original verses we were going to go and um the william wordsworth the happy prince um, it's a story about a prince, uh, like a statue prince that's made of jewels. The Simpsons did a piss take out of it. Right. And then everyone just started slowly but surely taking jewels off this beautiful statue. Yeah. Happy prince, heart of gold, ripped away in your morrow soul. That was the first line of Donald Back, the original one. Yeah. And um, so it was all about basically take, 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 and then you're just left with a statue and it's gone. Mm. But everyone's got these jewels and it's not worth shit, right? Mm. So that was like the metaphoric concept of what Donald Back was going to be. But then um, we were just we weren't quite happy with it, and Alan came back with this incredible melody. And then the engage, uh, you know, I had the engage me. Let me breathe the courage of your actions. Don't hold back. Make it be for the good. Um, and all of that story is a metaphor. Every single line is a metaphor. And I can, you know, I can walk through it like which I do in the course. Um, and it's all from the story, from my story. You know, the guys have their own fucking version of what they put into it. Mm. But the essence of the fundamentals of what the track was written about and what I wrote about with, you know, the, the track, the, the instrumental was an old techno track that I'd written before I even came to Australia. That fucking, da, 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 that stompy, because that was my sound. That yeah. stomping, electro, techy grind. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that's still to this day my sound. I just played yeah. to that yeah, thing yeah, there, yeah. you know. It's fucking grindy. But then, just... go for it, yeah. <laughs> just to give you a time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then it was like, okay, I love you too. Irish. Yeah. I love big songs. I love fucking mm, epic. Fucking, that's where the big power comes. That's where the power comes from. Yeah, yeah man. And and from. You, you know, when when we were like, we had the. Da, I was like, da, 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 da. and then it was just it's so simple. It's just like that. Yeah. It just came to us, and we put it down. That was it. Yeah. And the same with hello. The same with are you with me? The same with from the music. You know, the best ones just come out like that. And there's no question. It's just it is. Hey there. Thanks for tuning into this episode with me. If this episode is resonating with you and you know someone who will benefit from hearing this, please share it with them. 
It might be a friend, a fellow artist, producer, a coach, or an established professional looking for some extra inspiration and guidance. It could mean the world to them and give them the support they need right now to help them get to the next stage of their journey. Share it with them and connect with me on Instagram at Steve Jazz. And that's that's the kind of stuff where I could have sat down for ages and gone on the piano, but it was just, it was done. So yeah. knowing when to pull back, okay, let's get into the engineering now. Let's make it sound fucking amazing. So we went to Sam Littlemore, Sam yeah. Moore of um, what fucking band's he in now? Uh, Pnow, him and his brother Nick, and um, I sat with Dave on Sam Littlemore's uh, kitchen floor, mixing Don't Hold Back on Pro Tools on his laptop with a pair of HD25 headphones and no speakers. Yeah. Took us six months to mix that record. Oh. Six months, man. We did 96 versions of the radio edit. Me and Lauren Padman from uh, Vicious Records, yeah. who've just had their 30-year um, experience. And didn't put Don Hall back on it, John Corus. I'm calling you out, motherfucker. Love you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he knows I'm pissed with him. Um, I'm joking. And, um, you know, it was just a case of, where was I? I forgot. That. I forgot. Um, John Corus, Donald Back, where yeah. was I? Well, we were about to sort of talk about yeah. the experience and the story that went behind the creation of that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll go. Ask. Yeah. <laughs> I dropped the ball, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what I wanted to ask you was, um, so what are the things that, you know, we teach that we that we really advocate in terms of, you know, capturing essence of who you are as an artist, mm. what your message is. You know, I, like, I work a lot with artists and yep. helping to develop a narrative, which is nothing that's fabricated. It actually, it's about extracting mm. that, those moments, those turning points, those jewels, yeah. you know, where, you know, alchemy happens and, and being able to harness that and bottle that magic and produce that as, as a mm. sound and capture that. So if there's one piece of advice that you wanted to share with artists, you know, in terms of living out, having these experiences, but being open to capture that, those moments and produce that into a, as a song, you know, what is that one piece of advice? Stay off social media. Like, and I mean that as a metaphor and, uh, excuse me, as r something really to do. Uh, you know, metaphorically, you know, staying off social media is about getting rid of the distractions. So is it, is it then going out and living and experiencing yes. and taking risks? Yes, and then, yes. Because you know, music, that... music doesn't come from a little screen. Right. You know, music doesn't come from what other people are telling you you think you should be. Music mm -hmm. isn't coming from other people's opinions. It's the last thing it comes from. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's the total opposite. It's so internal and personal. And that we should be lucky to be listening to anybody making music because it's so confronting. Mm. It's very vulnerable. It's like being, it's an artist, you know, it's like any art. Um, and that's why a lot of the time the white collar people don't really respect what we do. You know, um, you'll, you can see that with, um, you can see that with, you know, booking agencies. I was just talking to, to Je mm. talking to Jezza this morning and like a booking agent would rather pay somebody a hundred dollars cheaper with a third of the talent as Jezza for a hundred bucks it's like there's, there's no respect there right so mm -hmm. what, what, what i'm getting at is just fucking be yourself learn from the greats do not imitate what is cool now unless you love something about what has been created mm -hmm. right 
so and then learn how to do that but don't just fucking rip somebody off um you know the, i think one of the best rip-offs ever is david grohl on nirvana um smells like teen spirit like you know his was i think it was mac 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 Mac, Mac Daddy or something, the cut him, cut him, cut him, cut him, in uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. That's just like a disco fill. And, but he, he's staying true to himself because he loved disco music, but he's putting these disco fills in this fucking heavy rock music, like down there, depressed, depressant, like rock music. So, but that would never have been if he wasn't listening to that disco. And you can play the tracks back to back and you can, it's just like, and it's the exact same thing. So he learned from his masters, right? And he ripped it, but he, you know, he put it into his own vision, mm-hmm. right? If he made another track that sounded like that disco track, nobody would have heard that fill, yeah. but you hear the fill now and you're like, ah, you'd never put it to disco. I was watching him and um, him and Pharrell playing the drums together in the studio. This was the interview I was watching. And, you know, Pharrell was like, how did I miss that? You know, cause he's disco king, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but that's, that's what I mean by, by studying your masters and, and taking what you can from them and figuring out where, where you're at in comparison to where you want to be, right? And not comparison to them, comparison to where you want to be, okay? Because if you start comparing yourself, it's the wrong thing to do. It's an imitation is the greatest form of flattery, right? There's, I can tell you seven massive records that were directly from Don't Hold Back. But I can also tell you what Don't Hold Back was indirectly from, you know? So um, there's a lot of, there's a lot, the one piece of advice I would give metaphorically would be stay off social media and and just be yourself be yourself because and 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 you know just turn off the technology unless you're using it for for music and you have to give if you really want to do this you've got to be willing to sacrifice everything everything you know i'm talking every wedding every birthday every christmas every everything because it's not going to happen otherwise especially in this day and age where it's flooded with everyone trying to get attention off everyone like god like social media my god like girls you know girls are getting famous for wearing clothes you know people are getting people are watching people doing voiceovers of other people's words like what the fuck has this shit turned into you know but then there's really cool stuff like you know, Emily, she does like funny ones making cocktails, you know, like hilarious, right? You know, um, then you get like the, the swearing uh, chef, the Austra- Australia guy, you know, and he was like, oh, okay, there's, there's some decent people out there. But the general consensus of people on social media is exactly the opposite to what you should be doing in your musical world. Well, if you kind of look at the mechanics of what's going on, you've got people who are creating content, people who are consuming content. Yeah, and people who are trying to be content. Yeah, and, uh, and so I guess one of the things that you're saying really is, you know, it's a tool. Uh, go out and live, perhaps. You know, yeah, Go out yeah. and experience things. Yeah. Um, well, you have to experience things for music because if you're locked into your ways, right, if you're locked into your ways, and this comes back to what you said earlier, like anyone who's locked into the ways of anything, there's only so far you can go with that. So if you don't have experiences, how can you be experienced? Well, you want to have a story. Um, you know, I think everyone's experiencing things and just the skill of being able to 
articulate that into some form of art mm. is probably the first essential step. Yeah. Is being able to go, wow, okay, I have experiences, I have a relationship, I am an artist, mm. I am, therefore, you know, I create. And just having a process that, you know, mm. having mentors, like you say, having mm. people to kind of look at and be inspired by and yeah. model, you know, don't, don't um, imitate but model the greats, mm. which is what you're talking about yeah. fundamentally, is one of the best ways, the direct paths to, to mm. create that. 100% man, and I think being consciously conscious of being conscious about the consciousness of music, right, because it's all the same thing, everything between the wood that we're putting our keyboards on to the sound that we hear, it's all exactly the same thing, it's just different levels of vibration and how you see it. So if you strip the layers back of what you actually see, close your fucking eyes and listen you can tell the sound of an album by a single note, mm. you know? So if you strip back all the bullshit, put your fucking phone down, you know, get the piano in front of you and just sit down and listen, you know, that is music, you know, that's music. Mm. I can sample that and turn it into a track, you know? So when I say stay off social media, I mean it more like more as a metaphor, but it can be taken quite considerably real, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, get into nature. Listen, listen, actively listen. You know, that's how you, that would be my, my, my best advice for sure. Yes. Yeah, love I think it. so. And to love it, yeah. and to love it. You know, just let go, let go. Love it, I love, I love your approach. And Thanks, man. You know, one of the things I have, have that's rubbed off of me personally is just that wild, almost careless, uh, but free, fun mm. crazy you know spirit which yeah. you know music is celebration and yeah you know, when you're and i see you produce you know mm. when you're producing it's like you're djing and creating and entertaining yeah. and you're in the, the zone mm. which is like it, it's magnetizing yeah right and people want to be part of that so if you kind of look at what's happening is your music is just an expression of who you are and what you're being Hundred percent, you know, and I think that's that's probably the biggest takeaway that I've been mm. able to get from coming into the studios because you know I, I come into the studios and I'm creating, we're we're running all these different programs and we're recording. We've got so much activity happening. If you try to boil it down to one thing that your objective is as a manager or as a mentor, what can you do with artists? What I'm taking away is that you know create that space and fun mm. and and be in the mindset and be in your heart. And just be willing to let, be vulnerable, like you say, mm. and let go, mm. and and listen, you know, absolutely, and just um, let the rest take care of itself. Mm. That's beautiful, man. I've got a few rapid fire questions yeah, for yeah, you man. before we uh, wrap this up. So, um, best book, uh, book you recommend? Um, oh, the Bible, um, not the Bible, but um, <laughs> Eckhart Tolle, uh, The Power of Now. Yeah, yeah, cool. Any tech that you can't live without? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> I say stay off social media, but uh, I, I can live without any technology once I can make music. Yeah. I like I love technology, I fucking hate it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, what is the piece the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Have another one made in, within three weeks I'm taking it back. Mm. That just was like, oh, 
it means anything treasure every moment you know because they'll be gone soon mm. so whatever that, that thing that graham put into my head that was the best advice I've ever given. And, and my mom uh if you want to be if you want to get 100 percent better become one percent better every day for 100 days cool isn't it? best training you've ever attended best training mm. in what online or face to face education oh, like um just advanced spiritual development, anything that you feel is okay. Well, let's go music, probably bass clef and okay. grand grand bulger. Um, oh, fuck, there's a few though. Uh, Justin Shave, amazing. Uh, some of the more amazing. Um, Joe Dispenza's stuff, incredible. Um, I don't know what else, what other kinds on that note. Would you mind sharing a little bit with the audience in terms of your personal recovery and what you've taken away from the, you know, the, the great teachings of Joe Dispenza? Yeah, I you? mean, Christ, where do you start, like, with Joe Dispenza stuff, you know? Um, I think well, with my recovery from the accidents and from what's happened over the last few years, um, I think it's really given me a place, a, a point to... Uh, focus less on what has happened to how I'm getting better mm. within rather than without. Mm. I, I've gone to the stage where I just don't give a fuck what people think of me. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just don't have time to think about that stuff because there's so much more to learn about yourself and how to how to be better as, as a human, as a consciousness, as a soul, as an energy, to get rid of that like esoteric, egotistical, or egocentric kind of um, model of the human, and moving to like post-materialism. Mm. So in post-materialist quantum, you know, nothing is as it seems. The particle can be in two places at the same time, which is really quite special. Um, and understanding that what we see, that you know, with the nine to five, the jobs, money, all that shit is just not real. It's just not real. We both know that from busting loose from the money game, you know. But it's all it all comes down to the quantum. So nobody is important. Nothing is important. Everything just is, and the consciousness. I think one of the best things I've learned was that consciousness is the energy that we all live by. It is the, the love and consciousness are the way that humans and the, the whole consciousness of the universe works. You know, and this isn't woo-woo shit anymore. This has been scientifically proven, you know, that and posts, well. No, I was just saying scientifically caught up. Yeah, the, science you know, is caught up exactly, and, and the beautiful thing, exactly, man. And the beautiful thing about science is that um, it's the language that we all know and trust, even though it came from a split in the Catholic Church in the mid eighteen hundreds, right, or sixteen hundreds. That <clears throat> okay, we'll take the spiritual stuff for Catholic or Christians mm. uh, or Romans, whatever the fuck they are. Um, no offense, and. Um, then okay well you you guys science take everything else mm. so that's why we've become materialists mm. rather than postmodernists, right and post-materialists so the whole thing about consciousness and you know creating your future um, and not positive thinking positive thinking is a lot of bullshit it's it's about being aware 
that there's a field there that you can't see. It's the same as before radio magnetism or electromagnetism, electricity. Nobody knew that they existed until they found them. Mm-hmm. And now that we've found consciousness of quantum, um, it's given me like a relief to know that I'm part of, I'm part of everything rather than just part of myself because it becomes so selfish you become so self-involved and selfish um not and i don't mean in you know the 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 normal terms of selfish i mean you know you're not being selfless you know so being selfless is is a good and a bad thing but i think when you 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 switch your mind from being aware of what's in front of you to being aware of something greater than what you can see and you're connected to everything, I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned from it, to tap into that. And you can create your own reality. You really can, mm-hmm. man. But before I came here, I had everything gone, everything lost, everything. Everything was lost. And I was like, oh, fuck. I need a studio. I need somewhere to go. I need people. Like, this is the things to get me out of where I was after losing everything, you know, and, uh, being injured and blah, 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 all that shit. So, and then boom, pop. pop send you that SMS. Send me an SMS, What's man. Literally, like, literally the fucking day <laughs> of, man, you know? And, yeah. and every time you see parts like this in your life as you go uh, along, you can, really, you can really plan and create your own rea- reality. You can, you know? And that, that is, that's meant to be more normal than money and a nine-to-five job. Job. Well, I think that that's beautiful. I really want to sort of end on that last note. Yeah. Fundamentally, you know, we are all creators. And whether we choose to consciously mm. own that, take responsibility, we're creating our very existence. Mm. But, you know, beliefs, our memories, our emotions. Um, but more importantly, like asking yourself a question as a musician or as an artist or even as, you know, an entrepreneur, what is it that you're creating? What are you choosing to create? You're creating you know, the sound of your soul, man. Well... <sighs> So you're talking about musicians and yeah, I mean, creators, well, let's 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 go that, you know, specifically for musicians. What are we creating? We're creating we're creating the sound of ourselves. The sound of ourselves. Yeah, because everything's a vibration, and that technically everything is a vibration, right? So if you're thinking about it, that's why the solfaggio was amazing. What he discovered, because mm-hmm. he discovered all the positive frequencies rather than the ones that can kill you. Mm-hmm. So um, everything is energy and frequency, and and melody is literally the coating that floats along the middle mm. it really is it's a beautiful beautiful thing because it's in everything it's in everything it's what i'm talking right now and speaking is just you know shaped noise that we understand to be things it's all made up so organized sound is organized sound you know um but yeah th- 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 that i think that yeah it's beautiful man Man, there's so much more to unpack, but we'll probably yeah. save it for the next episode. Uh, if you guys want to reach out, um, how can people reach out to you? What's the best way that they can contact you? Because I know you're a busy man. Um, you can hit us on any Johnny Sonic Facebook, johnnysonicmusic.com, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, here at Music Valley, musicvalley.com.au. Thanks, brother, for coming on the show. I've got Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all that shit. (laughs) Just look Johnny Sonic up and Music Valley up and you'll you'll know where to find us. Awesome, brother. Thanks, man. Yeah. Okay, let's get talking. (laughs) Hey there. Thanks for tuning into this episode with me. 
Do you know any artists or professionals in the music industry who have an inspiring story to share? Right now, we are looking for a selection of key figures in the local and national music scene to be featured for an interview on the Do What You Love podcast. This is an exciting opportunity to be heard and discovered by thousands of active listeners in the industry. If so, please share this podcast with them and connect with me on Instagram at Steve Jazz.